about a, oh, I don't know, I'm guessing now, now that I'm, it's coming to my mind, but about a year ago, I, uh, I shared a, a message on, uh, on one of the one another's in Scripture, and I call it the theology of one another, and, and uh, we looked at accepting one another, and we found it in, in, in Romans, where Paul makes that statement, but that we ought to accept one another. And throughout Scripture, you will find this, 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 these two words, one another. And there are many things. We should love one another. We should serve one another. We're going to talk about serving one another today, but submit to one another. We'll get there too, actually, because I'm going to sprinkle these throughout the next couple of years. Every so often, it's so important for us to adopt, to live by the theology of one another. And it actually speaks, and it's, it's directed, really, when you think about it, to, to the Godhead. And it, it's, it really, it's connected. And it's that relationship that we not only have with God the Father, but with one another. And part of that relationship that we have as friends of God, as His children, as those who have professed Him as Lord and Savior, that, and we, we walk together, is that we practice the theology of one another. That yes, we accept one another, even as Christ has accepted us. And I, I don't remember all the points from last time. I could dig them out in my mind somewhere, but that was a long time ago. But I want to, this morning, address the idea of serving one another. And it has a direct connection to some of the things that we've been singing. And, and I, I, as we were singing, a scripture came to my mind, and I'd like for you to turn there. This isn't my text, but it will springboard from there. And in Psalm 113, there's something real. I love this psalm. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That means all the time, right? The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Picture that. Who is like our, the Lord, our God? Who is enthroned on high? Here he is. There's the King of the universe, the God Almighty, the Sovereign. Look at verse 6. Who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. And I'll stop there. We're talking about this friendship with God, and yet God displayed. And at Christmas time, we celebrate, right? At the birth of Christ, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And the incarnation that God came down in human flesh, that He humbled Himself to behold, to be a part of that which is so low here on the earth, to be with you and me. That's what He did, humanity. And as we come to to, to the resurrection uh, uh, in a couple of weeks on Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We're also reminded that He was here in the flesh and He suffered in the flesh and He went through everything in the flesh in this body for you and for me so that by faith we could become His friends and He wanted us to be His friends so terribly bad, if I could put it that way, so deeply with so much love that compels Him and compelled Him that He came to this earth. This awesome, powerful God. He humbled Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. Who is a God like that except our God? That He came for you and for me. And He did it for one reason. In Mark chapter 10, let's open there in your Bibles. In Mark chapter 10, there's this amazing account of the disciples. Then James and John, the Bible says in verse 35, the sons of Zebedee came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I love that. I mean, think about that. They come. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. 
God, give me and fill in the blank, right? God, make me and fill in the blank. Whatever we want, we want you to do for us and let it be a reality, let it be truth in my life. Let it become what is. That's what I want. They're asking, it's pretty bold, right? And Jesus entertains them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptized I am baptized with? He was talking about what he had to go through on the cross and endure the suffering and the death. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptized baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, he said. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to, first, wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He humbled Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. In Psalm 113. And Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came down to walk among you to experience everything. And Hebrew tells us that. That we have this perfect high priest, this intercessor, who can relate to us because he went through everything that we went through. He felt everything that we felt and feel. He experienced all the letdowns, the hurts, the betrayals, the pains, the sufferings. He knows them all, the things of this life that we live in the flesh. And he humbled himself to be with us, for us. And in the text from Mark chapter 10, the disciples thought that being impactful and valuable in the kingdom of God was all about who they were. Like, I'm important, so I have so much impact, and I'll be able to influence the world for the kingdom of God and expand His kingdom. They thought that I should be someone who held position of power. That's where influence comes. And certainly there is some of that. Or, that they had special abilities and talents. And without those, we can't be useful to God. But if I have special talents and abilities, God can use me. That was a mistake that Moses made when he got called by God. Oh, I, I, I can't talk, God. How are you going to use me? God's like, I got a plan. Don't you, have a, don't you have Aaron who can talk? Don't you have others? I got, I got it. I'm calling you. I've chosen you. Don't worry about it. But we come up with this idea that we have to be powerful, important, and super gifted and talented for God to use us. And they wanted that. They wanted to be at the right hand of the Father. They wanted that glory and that place of importance so that they could be recognized as somebody who could say, let this be, and then it is. That was really in the back of their heads. Not so. Jesus is not interested in who we are or what we can do but whether we are open to servanthood. 
Especially if you're a friend of God and you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believed on Him and you're born again. He isn't interested about who you think you are or what you think you can do, but He wants to know if you're ready to serve. Making yourself available to serve. Pastor Dan talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to kind of carry that thought on a little bit more because I think it's really important as we approach uh, the resurrection of Christ. To God, being a servant is more important than being a superstar. And Jesus wants people He can count on to be there for people. Because God values so much. He values people so much that He died for their sins. And He wants people He can count on to be there to serve, to minister. Right? In different countries, they have ministers of, and they have different departments in their government. Have you heard that? Like in Canada, they have the Minister of Peace, Minister of Justice, Minister of Agriculture. They're servants. They are to serve. Unfortunately, the word doesn't go along with the character often, way too often. But it means servant. To minister means you are serving. And so we heed Jesus' words to his disciples to be like Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve others. Are we like that? The Apostle Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, and listen to his words, that we ought to serve like Jesus did. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. I love that part, don't you? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. There's that one another. Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's quoting. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And by the way, I'm going to hold off on verse 15 because that's another sermon for another day soon. And it's scary. It is. It's challenging. You know, like no other generation, think about this, we enjoy this great variety of choices that we have right now. I mean, there, we, it's confusing how many choices we have. How many just, and and the, the options that we have available to us, right? If I want to, after service, before the Pinewood Derby started, and I had this itch inside of me, and I'm like, man, I want a really good cup of coffee, right? Now, this gets subjective, right? But all of a sudden, you get out, and you head towards our little town of, what is it even called? Is it Hope Valley? Is it Wyoming? Is it what? You go that way towards 95, right? And you go there and you're driving. As you're driving, you're like, I want a cup of coffee. But you have so many options. Well, you know what? For 99 cents, I go to Cumbies. Ooh, and they have that Nicaraguan amazing coffee. I've had it. It's really good, by the way. And I'll, maybe for 99. No, but wait a minute. There's Starbucks. Ooh. And some of you are like, nah, right? But I, I'll go to Starbucks. No, wait, but there's Dunkin'. Of course, we're in New England. You've got to go to Dunkin'. You know, how can I not go? Wait, but there's McDonald's coffee too. Wait, there's higher grounds. And no, it's not what it sounds like. But it, there's higher grounds. It's a coffee shop, right? Where should I go to? We have all these options. And we have choices to make. And which coffee shop will I go to, right? But we have so many varieties. It's not different with time either. With the time that we've been given. We are talking about this in Face to Face a few weeks ago, very briefly, right? But the question is, what am I going to do with my time? 
What are you going to do with your time? I've got the same 24 hours every day as everybody else does in this building. Every one of you have the exact same amount of time as I do. Every one of us, right? And I've got lots and lots of choices to make, lots of freedom that I have to choose what I will do within the time I have. Thank God for that. I'm glad that we have choices, but sometimes it overtakes us, doesn't it? Thank God, and I really mean this, that we are not under the law of Moses in the Old Testament with its complex system of all the regulations that it brought, right? We're not boxed in with hundreds of do's and don'ts under a legalistic religious system. In Christ, we are freely given favor with God by faith and because of His grace. Plain and simple, right? And in this new covenant we have, we have liberty and we have freedom of choice and we can do all kinds of stuff, right? And we can choose. But freedom, Paul says, and he alludes to this, it carries with it responsibility. That's what Paul is saying. Don't let your freedom become an excuse for selfishness. God forbid. There is, a t- there is the temptation that we all face to arrange our time and our lives around ourselves and our own pleasure. To leave no time, no margin, no opening for serving others. That can happen like this before we know it. And our day is filled up and it's all about us. All about me. All about work. All about my work. All about my income. All about what I want. All about my workout. All about my pleasure. All about my entertainment. All about my downtime. All about my, my, my. And we, we trust me, we need that, right? God, God wants us to rest. God wants us to have done. He wants all that. But we get so sucked into that. In our text, Paul's contrasting between selfish indulgence and serving one another in love. Loving yourself or loving others. Which will it be? Which will it be? Because Jesus did not love himself. In fact, to that point, he, he loved the Father's plan and will and the people that the Father was sending him to so much that he gave up all his rights, Paul says in Roman, uh, Philippians chapter 2. He gave it all up as, as the God of the universe. Through love, you should serve one another because that's what Jesus did. It's an irony. Don't be a slave to the law, but slaves of one another. It's also a paradox. Slavery to one another is the Christian form of being free. No way! Yes. It's the truth. It really is. You know what? Well, I'll stay on track. Slavery to sin and living how we want all the time, when we want, is involuntary and it's devastating. Really, it is. We were born into it and we can't escape from it. Romans 7.18 tells us that, if you don't believe me. Slavery to one another, and that's a word that don't be scared of that. It's actually a beautiful thing in God's economy. But slavery to one another is voluntary and it's a source of deep joy. And it's possible because the Holy Spirit's presence and power sets us free from having to serve sin in our lives and instead we can serve one another. 
And when we serve one another, when I serve somebody and another person is serving me and we serve each other, everything is taken care of. Don't let it just be in theory. We shouldn't let it just be in theory. We keep letting it hang there as a a theory or something that is idealistic about how our community as Christians should function and work and what it ought to look like. But it should be a reality. So let's review just quickly here. Three reasons, just three of them. There's many more, but just three reasons that we may give for not serving one another. I'm coming from the negative side, right? Number one, we say things like this. And by the way, this is similar to things we said when I was talking about accepting one another last year. We, 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 we gave excuses. We had these statements we'd make in our minds and our hearts. And so the first one that we often give for not serving one another is, I would do it if it weren't for all those difficulties and obstacles. Hmm. It takes energy. I have to go somewhere. I have to do something. I have to overcome something. Maybe my own things in my heart about somebody else or other people, and I just got to do it. And, and it's, I got to overcome that. I got to go through things. Now listen, that sounds reasonable. Except that it is usually not convenient and it's not easy to help other people. It's not. Because you got to get rid of yourself. You got to get yourself out of the way. In Luke 10, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. And we read about the priest and the Levite who walked right past the need that was before them on the road. You know what they saw? That beat up, robbed, left for dead individual there that was laying on the road to die? They saw him as an obstacle. They saw him as something in the way, an inconvenience, something that, well, I just can't be bothered with that right now. I'm on a mission. I got better important things to do. That's really what it was. If I could just be straightforward and honest, that's what it was. I mean, he'll understand. I know he's dying, but gee, I got to go offer up a sacrifice. I mean, I'm the high priest or I'm the priest in the temple for crying out loud. I don't have time for that. When's the last time you allowed yourself I'll be a little more specific. You allowed the obstacle, sorry for using it that way, but that person, that situation, to be put there in the way by God so that you had an opportunity to serve. But nope, you had a higher mission. You had a better, and it would take you just 10 minutes. Maybe it would take you more. It would take resources. Oh no, now it's adding up. I can't possibly do that. It's too difficult for me right now. That's the mindset of the priest and the Levite. The Levite. I'm in in charge of temple worship and setting everything up so it's all good and it's all in its proper place. I'm on a mission along with the priest right after him. i got to make sure everything is cool. Blow right by him. Not even the thought of serving this individual, bending down, not wanting to get dirty or inconvenienced with time and any other resource that might be required. God help us to not be like that. It was simply for them easier to ignore the need. Even though it was right out of their face. Just blew right by it. Because perhaps they were hoping that somebody else would take care of it, right? And maybe even say a little prayer for the guy rather than stop and help him. <sighs> Sorry. I'll pray for you. And just move on. Someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. So the high priest said that, or the priest said that, I should say. 
And then the Levite said that. And thank God, finally, the third person, a Samaritan, didn't say that. He said, I got to take care of this. This guy's dying. He's hurt. I want to meet the need. I'm going to serve him with my energy, my strength, and whatever know-how I have in that situation. I'm going to do what I can. And maybe, in your case, the know-how might be something, in a spiritual sense, as a 911 call. Stop and pray for somebody who is in a need or in a situation that is desperate. You can't even do that. Sometimes we don't even do that. We don't have the boldness to do that. We know somebody there in the workplace or whoever else. Just ask. What's the worst they can do? If you know they're, they're suffering and dying, they're in need, to serve them by praying for them. I'm going to tell you something. Even today, in this day and age, most people will not deny you when you ask them to pray for them. Well, you'll get some, of course. I mean, come on. But most will not. Most will not. Do not let that go by. I will always remember, in this, this act of serving, our great sister, Judy Russo, she always said, I will not pass up an opportunity to pray with or for someone. And if you knew her, you pretty much knew that was true. I don't think there was one time when I met with her, or even just us, to serve each other that way, to, to, to bear burdens of one another, that's another one another, through that prayer and serving. When we would meet, I don't think there was ever a time that she would even allow me to say the meeting, let's just, okay, have a great day. No, what are you doing? We're going to pray. Even if it was 30 seconds, she would never leave without praying that was one way that she, she served and we can do the same thing right and we can do a lot more in a lot of different situations i read i don't know where i read this it's from someone someone wrote this that the church is full of willing people there are every one of you is so willing and here's the deal some are willing to serve and others are willing to let them You know, one of the most unfortunate things that was so disturbing for me, and I, I mean, we see this in our lives, and maybe you're not moved by this, but that's fine. It's okay. That's between you and God. I'll pray you are. I remember, you know, you, you, when you study, you get into all these kind of things, people with leadership in the church and how it works and Christians and corporate, and even in the church, there's some similarities, there's some overlap, right, with, with, with human nature and how we operate. And it was always, we talked about this in the church, the 80-20 rule, Right? That 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Right? And, and the argument is, well, 20% are the servers, and the 80% are like, that's cool, keep doing it. Where does that come from? Why is that there? Why, why does that exist? How can it exist? Why should it exist? Why do we just accept that as being the 80-20 rule, and then we just say, let's have it happen, and let's just carry on, and it's okay. It's not okay because we're all called to serve one another. And the truth is that when we serve one another, we're actually serving Christ. Because then when we serve one another, it even goes outside our walls collectively. And we serve our community as well. Like as we do with so many things. Serving is so important. And it, 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 it what's the word I'm looking for? It um, mimics the actions, the heart of God. It emulates who Jesus is in a very practical way in our world because he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, I would do it if it weren't for all those difficulties and obstacles. There are always obstacles. You know, sometimes our version of Galatians 5.13 is this. Through love, serve one another if it's not too hard or requires too much. 
There are always obstacles. But obstacles should not be our focus. The goal is the glory of God. The glory is to please God by serving others. It's a powerful thing that will bring and shed light on the glory and the beauty of God and that His Son Himself came to serve and give His life for others. In Ecclesiastes 11.4, the psalmist writes this, He who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Conditions are never just right to do the right thing. Well, you know, if that guy laying there who's beat up, i got to go to the temple, but if he wasn't so bloody, maybe I'll help him. Well, you know what? I see storms coming. I see the clouds already. It's going to get all muddy soon. Plus, he's dirty. I'm going to, you know, if it was nicer out and if the forecast was clear and he wasn't as bloody and we start adding all these things and before you know it, we explain away why we should serve in the first place because the conditions aren't right. It's never perfect and easy to serve. You've got to do it because you've got to do it when there's a need. There's always a cloud in the sky that might become a storm and you listen, if we let that stop us, then we're stopped and we will not serve one another as Christ served us. So, don't let that be your excuse. Secondly, a second way that we avoid serving others is that we say this, I plan to, but later. Very simple question that we can just visualize in our minds and it should just make the point and we should just be like, oh. What if you're in the hospital? And that's the attitude of your primary doctor or your surgeon. I'll serve you, but you know what? I didn't get my, my Cumbie 99 cent Nicaraguan coffee. And, um, yeah, I just don't feel like it right now. Uh, maybe 2 o'clock. I just had lunch and I got like this, this you know, the sugar thing going on. And I'm kind of tired now. I'm digesting. What? what? I'll wait for the next surgeon. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that. And you know what? There are people here, and some of you know, and brothers and sisters, and we have, we have amazing servants in this body. I'm being serious. I'm not, but we do. But, but we, need, we need to all need to serve. We need to serve you more. There's more to do. There's more to each other, especially, and to be involved. And you know what? When we, when we have that attitude, we just miss out on being a blessing and being blessed because... We're emulating what Christ wants us to do. I plan to, but later. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 31, Jesus gave the story, a parable of a man who had two sons. And he asked both of them, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And how many remember that story? The two sons that, you know, a lot of you know that. One said, all right, Dad, I'm happy to help. I'll do it. But he never got around to it, did he? Yep, I'm going to do it. And then he's just sitting on his hands, you know, he's playing Roblox or whatever on his, you know, on his gaming thing or whatever, whatever they play nowadays. I don't even know. Right? I'm not a gamer, but they, the kids do, right? So, but some of you adults do too, but there's plenty. That's it. I'll, I'll do it. But eh. the other son, he said <laughs> that he wouldn't go just blatantly like, nope, not doing it, dad. But then later, he repented, it says, and he did what his father asked him to do. 
And then Jesus asked a very simple question. He says, which one did the will of his father? Duh, obviously the one who actually did it. That was kind of the response. The one who did it. The one who obeyed. Even though, do it. Don't put it off. And, and even if you said no, but you know, when you, then you respond and you, you realize, whoa, I said I would do it. I got to work in the vineyard. I got to serve. That's what God wants me to do. And you do it. It's all good. That's what God wants. It brings glory and pleasure to God. And it blesses others. And the son who put the work off probably planned to serve someday or later that day or whenever. And there is that danger. There is the danger that we can hear about serving others. We can think about serving others. We can talk about serving others. And because all that has happened, we can convince ourselves that we are actually serving others. Talk is cheap, right? Face-to-face people. Actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap. One other reason. I'm moving on. Third reason. One other reason for not serving others. And perhaps this is the most common, and if I could put it, it's the most compelling reason, an excuse, frankly, for not serving other people. I'm really, really busy. It's connected to the others, of course, but more specific, I'm really, I'm just really busy. Well, with what? You know that I kind of just say it the way it is, whatever, we, we, we all do, right? But I, I have this, I, let it be public, I don't care, and you can hear it if you don't already know this, but I have a peeve, and it's a really deep, hardcore one. I have a peeve when I ask people, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? Oh, I'm really busy. That's the answer. And I want to say, and I don't, because it's almost like rude. With what? I, want, I, I, I mean, is, if you say that, do I have a right to ask you with what? But I feel like I can't, because, well, I'm just really busy. You know, life, the kids, I'm busy, I'm busy. Like, okay. We all, we're all busy. Can I just be honest? We're all busy. Hello? You're not, you're not busy. Okay, so then you can really serve because you're not responding, right? Uh, you're not busy. Uh, we're all busy with something. And we, find, we, again, we fill our calendars and we busy ourselves to death, right? At least we convince ourselves in our mind. And we're so busy, we're so busy, we're so busy. And that, that line, again, is the, probably the most used. Again, we all have 24 hours in a day. And, and those hours, after all, all those 24 hours, all get filled with something. They do. Another story that Jesus tells in Luke 14 tells of a man who prepared a great feast and he invited his friends to join him. And we've heard sermons on this as well. Everyone had a great reason for not being there. One bought real estate and he needed to check it out. Well, didn't you check it out first before you bought it? Another had five yoke of oxen and needed to test drive them. You mean you didn't check them out first to know if they can pull the plow before you... I don't, it doesn't make sense, right? And one just got married and he couldn't come. Well, whatever. We'll leave that one alone. They were all very, very busy, busy, busy people doing something. But the point of the story was their excuses did not matter. 
What mattered was the choice not to come. They decided not to go to the feast because they were so busy. They were so busy that they had this priest to go to do temple worship that he blew off this person who's dying right on the road there. Everybody has an excuse not to serve others. Even those who choose to serve anyway. You know, every week, I mentioned this earlier, how we have great people here. There's a group of people here at the church and throughout the month with various things that we do here in this building and outside the building and, and ministries and whatnot that are, that are working and they're serving so diligently. They're giving of themselves. They're serving. They're, 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 they're doing it for God, but they're doing it for others to build others up and to expand God's kingdom. And I am certain, I am certain that from the ministry leaders to our deacons to Pastor Dan to myself to any, everybody that's involved here, that we could all have reasons and we've given reasons, I'm sure, in different ways, right? But they could all come up and give a reason for not being there to serve. But they choose. They choose to serve on the praise team. They choose to, to run the slides for the, for, the, for the words up there. They choose to run the soundboard and to do things for live stream. They choose to work in super church. I sound like Pastor Dan last week. Does this sound like repetitious? Right? There, there are, we can choose, right? The, the list goes on for our different things that we do. Nate has chosen to serve as a host for game night. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. No, I'm serious. You see a need. You see something there that can get people together and build them up. That's a blessing. That's serving. It is. It can be so simple. What is it going to require? Time, commitment, being there. Just be there. That's half the battle. Be there. And then do what you've been called to do or how you've chosen to serve with God's call. Listen, we appreciate all these people for for making that kind of choice in serving. Amen? God's glorified. I am not saying, I just want to be clear, that there is never a good reason not to serve others in a particular way. There are anomalies. There are outliers. At the same time, 99.999% of the time, there isn't a good reason. What I'm really saying, and what my point really is, is that it's a matter of choice, not excuse. It's a matter of choice, not excuse. Maybe you're so busy with the practical things of life, and you might translate this verse this way, through love, serve one another, if you're not busy with your own stuff. The command that is made here is unqualified. We do not want to substitute excellent excuses for obedience. Do you think God does? I don't. Making time to serve others is a matter of priorities. When serving others is a priority, we will find the time to do it. When serving is not a priority, there will never be time to do it. Those are issues we all struggle with. All of us. Now, Let's look at the reason to do what Galatians 5.13 tells us to do as we come to a close. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls, or another translation says compels, excuse me, compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life 
will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for others and that we should serve one another, as Paul says. Love compels me to do it. That's what Paul is saying. Paul's motives, Paul's purpose in life had been changed by his relationship with Christ. And he had that revelation of Christ's love for him and it revolutionized the way he was thinking about everything. That's true conversion. Completely changed. Christ Jesus died so our sins could be forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. This great salvation transforms us from a hellish, selfish creature to a heavenly creature of love who serves others. If all Christianity does is make us religious, selfish people rather than secular, selfish people, it has utterly failed its purpose. What's the point? Oh God, let it be our prayer. God, pull my selfish heart out from the roots and fill me with Your love for Your people. They're Your people, God. I want to serve them. I want to love them. I want to submit to them. I want to work with them. I want to bear their burdens together. That's my prayer, and I hope that that's Your prayer as well. When we look at the cross, that wonderful, amazing cross, and we're going to be focusing on that like in the next coming weeks, and we should be thinking about that already. When we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, when we think about His great love for us, it should cause us to want to do something and everything that pleases Him. And His word to us is, is simply this, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And He was talking about those who would help those in need. You remember John 13? We've referenced this many times. Jesus, at the Last Supper, He's serving His disciples. He washed their feet. He put His knees to the earth to show that He came to go as low as possible to make someone else's life better. Actually, the best. The abundant life that He has to offer. Since I have washed your feet, Jesus said in John 13, you should wash one another's feet. Was he talking literally? Yeah, if you want to do it literally, knock yourself out. Don't ask to wash my feet. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. You could do that. But he's talking here and he was demonstrating what his whole life was about and how we ought to be with each other. That we would serve each other so much that we would, be, we would do the, the most inconvenient, dirtiest thing we have to do to make each other's lives better and that we could all have our needs met and be all that God wants us to be is His community, His people, His church. Jesus called them together and He said, You know, as I mentioned earlier, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I know that for most of us, we are willing to go the extra mile when someone we know and love is hurting, right? I have seen it over and over again. When, strategy, when you know, tragedy strikes at home or someone's heart is just heavy and hurting, 
others rush to the side of that person who is struggling. But most often, these people are the ones that are close friends or someone who we feel is deserving of our time and of our help. God's Word does not categorize our service. Jesus didn't come to give His life for those who loved Him. Did He? Or those who were deserving of His sacrifice, because we know that's, that could have never happened. Jesus came to save sinners. That's the simple Gospel. And God wanted us to know Him as a friend, our Lord as a friend. And that Lord came down to be our friend. He touched this earth and He gave His life and He served to the point of dying on the cross. What sacrifice in serving. He laid down His life for those who were His enemies, to those who beat Him unmercifully, and they hung Him on a cross. And the proper use of the gift of freedom, the Apostle Paul tells us, is that we serve one another. But what about me? You'll be taken care of when someone takes to heart that we ought to serve one another because Christ's love compels us to. See, here's the formula. When we have freedom and love and you add them together, the sum of that, the result of that is, is service to others. When we have liberty or freedom, right? but there's no love, then we have license and we become slaves to sin in the end. Law builds fences around what we must not do, but love builds bridges to new places of service and serving one another. How is all of this possible? Christ's love compels me. Not passively, not in my own strength, but by allowing ourselves to serve with no excuses, just like Jesus served us and gave His life for us. What's your excuse? It doesn't hold water. It doesn't work. Let's serve one another. Amen?